Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. See, I'm a fixer. Are you a fixer? I just say, do this, you'll be right. And that's true, but I can't get them to do it all the time. They have to do it. So here's a statement I used a long time ago. God has a fix for you, but if you undo the fix that God has to fix you, he will fix another fix to fix you. I'll read it again. Is that right? God has a fix to fix you, but if you undo the fix that God fixed to fix you, he will fix another fix to fix you. He'll do it. And why does God do that? Because he loves us. It's hard to watch someone go through hard times, especially if it's a family member or somebody you're close to. Even though many times the person learns the lesson that their hardship was helping them to learn, the natural instinct for the person with the gift of mercy hates not being able to help. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about the limits of people. They need to understand that there's a time for them to step back and let God do what he needs to do. That's the best for all concerned. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Romans chapter 12 as he continues his series, Motivational Gifts. When I worked in the hospital for all those years, the hardest wing for me was pediatrics. And you'd go... And you see those little kids with cancer and you name it. I don't know how those nurses operated in that day in and day out. Because they're always drained with that kind of deal. Life and death. Little kids can't do anything. Just really tough. And as you can imagine, you didn't think about it because we have a lot of people here. People in the medical field often have a big dose of this gift. Okay, And they're there, why? Because they love people. They want to help the hurting in a lot of ways. Now, it's not pure, because remember that this is mostly emotional, not the physical part, but it's still related. Number two, if you're going to grow in this gift, you have to realize that our little uh, potato head is not just a head. He's got a heart, he's got arms, he's got feet, he's got a mouth. So you have to, number two, you have to use other gifts in the body to balance your non-thinking because you're responding with your heart. Now that's vice versa the same way. The prophet needs people with the gift of mercy to balance them. Don't just worry about truth. Don't destroy them. They're hurting people. Come alongside them. Number three, this is a big one. I'm going to spend a little bit of time on it. Number three, accept the truth that you even though you have this incredible gift, can't fix everyone or meet everyone's needs. You have to accept that as a given. Now turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. When you think about this, here's what happens. 
you're presented with a need, and this works in family situations, or it works in counseling situations. Could happen in your home with your husband, wife, kids, when they leave home, grandkids, whatever. Could certainly work in all of our lives in counseling sessions. And this is why people who have this gift have to be very careful. In Hebrews chapter 12, we have a section that those with the gift of mercy, this would not be circled in your Bible. This is not like your high priority. Because it's about godly discipline. Okay? In my life and in your life, the only one that knows what I need, whether I need a really good dose of mercy, which many times I do, thank God we get it, or do I need somebody with the gift of exhortation that will say, let them hurt, because God's doing something in their life. See, with a person with the gift of mercy going, no way, I don't got to let them hurt. I'm going to come to their rescue. And by doing that, in a counseling session, for instance, what we do is we actually, listen carefully, we actually interfere with God. Now let's read these verses. Chapter 12, verse 7. Endure hardship as discipline. person with the gift of compassion doesn't like this verse at all. Can't stand it. Endure hardship. No way. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? That's an interesting rhetorical question, isn't it? I heard a statistic. 50% of the homes in the United States have no father. Now, do you know what the fruit of that is going to be in the next generation? A disaster. Because they have no role model. And why? Because the marriage. 50% no role model. Verse 8. If you are not disciplined, and notice in your NIV how it says, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. This is probably written after the fact. It isn't written while you're getting the discipline. None of us. Hey, Dad, thanks. How about some more? I don't think so. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us, notice, circle it, for our what? For our good. Now, your father, my father, me being a father, none of us disciplined perfectly. There were times as a father I should have disciplined more in different ways. There were times I should have not disciplined at all. But I wasn't a perfect father. And I didn't do it exactly right. But God's a perfect father. So see, when a person is going through a situation, and they're hurting, and they've made a poor decision, the person with the gift of mercy steps right in and says, I got the fix for you. And if they haven't prayed about it, what they're doing, they're getting between God and this person. And they're stopping what God's trying to do. So what will happen long term? It'll get worse. Because you enable that individual because you have that gift of mercy. And parents, as parents, we all do that. By the way, grandparents are worse than parents. (laughs) Notice as it goes on. 
Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for a good that we may share in his holiness. Now, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, there it is. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Understand, and here's something for you to write down. Remember that God grows us through love, truth, and discipline. That is really hard for those of you with that gift of compassion and mercy. You like the first part, love. You're okay with the truth, but you don't like the third. Maybe you can understand what I'm going to say. That's why you need balance. And that's why we need, I need the balance of the Holy Spirit. So when I'm counseling a person in the office, and let's say for whatever, there's all kind of million different ways to go to it. If you have the gift of mercy, you're a good counselor. But you better have the gift of exhortation with it as well. Because you will always step in and stop those times that God's trying to do something in the person's life. You have to draw the line and go, no, you're going to be accountable for that. I can't help you there. In other words, let's see if you know this term. Sometimes God has to have a person hit bottom before he can help them. The person with the gift of mercy never wants anyone to hit bottom. Do you understand? So you're going to step in and always rescue them. But what are you doing? You're just delaying the step that God will have to get to. And so you have to be careful. Again, parents, and you have to know the balance of both. The pure exhorter with no gift of mercy, let them suffer. They screwed their budget up? Good for you. Figure out how you're going to get food next week. Okay? The gift of mercy? No, here's my bag of groceries. I can help you with this. What do you need? You need balance. You're counseling a person. And they're always blowing it. And they say, I'll do better next time. And you're three months into it, and they continue to blow their budget. What, are you going to buy them groceries again? No, they need to go hungry. You say, well, that's not right. Oh, yes, it is right. Can I tell you when that is? No. Can God? Yes. And that's why it can't be in the flesh. It has to be in the spirit. And that's why, here be careful, that's why you looking from the outside in go, and you'll hear this. You'll always hear this. You'll hear, uh, this pastor recommended this, or this church did this, and they refused to help me in this situation. You'll hear that. Be careful. You don't know the whole story. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Our counselors here have the gift of mercy. They definitely do. But they also have the brain part with the spirit. So you can't step in and go, well, what's wrong here? What's wrong with this church? What's wrong with that counselor? What's wrong with that parent? You don't know the whole situation. Now, none of us are perfect, so we need a good balance. But I just want to challenge you with that because remember the prodigal son's a perfect example. Came to his dad and said, I want it all. What does dad say? Have at it. Now, normally, with a head, you're going to say, you're going to ruin your inheritance? You're going to go and blow all that stuff? Oh, he just said, have at it. Remember in the pig pen, he hit what? Bottom. He let 
him go to the nadir, to the bottom, to the end. And then, the Bible says, it's a great verse, I use it often. Then, he, the prodigal, came to his senses. See, you can't, by helping people, bring them to their senses. God has to. And be careful as a parent or as a counselor. If you continue to enable those individuals, you are getting in between God and them. Long term, you will harm them. And that's hard if you have a gift of mercy. That's really hard. For parents, husband and wife, that's where the struggle comes. Let God minister to you. Now, let's talk about some... uh, Oh, I have a great statement. So this one was, don't realize you can't fix everybody. See, I'm a fixer. Are you a fixer? I just say, do this, you'll be right. And that's true, but I can't get them to do it all the time. They have to do it. So here's a statement I used a long time ago. God has a fix for you, but if you undo the fix that God has to fix you, he will fix another fix to fix you. (laughs) I'll read it again. Is that right? God has a fix to fix you, but if you undo the fix that God fixed to fix you, he will fix another fix to fix you. He'll do it. And why does God do that? Because he loves us. See, in that verse, when those passages in Hebrew, no, in time, God will cure us. Sometimes he has to work harder than others. He's always at work in all of us. You know that. But he disciplines us for our good. Let's go three things, and I'm going to have you turn to three different passages quickly. Turn to Matthew chapter 25, verse 35. We want to talk about the theory and then the actual application, put it into practice. The theory verse from Jesus, we studied this a long time ago, very important. It simply says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So if you're here and say... I'm not into this mercy deal. No, you want to be into the mercy deal. Do you want mercy? I want mercy. We need people in the body with mercy. I have to have mercy because I blow it. Thank you for those of you who have the gift of mercy. You're kind. You help us out when we get in trouble. So don't say out there like, I don't need mercy. Good grief, you need mercy. Notice what it says. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Let's reverse it. Unhappy are the people that don't want mercy or show mercy because you won't get it. So remember, what I give, I get. I want to be merciful. Matthew 25, let's look at verse 35. Here's the practice. For I was hungry and you said, I feel sorry for you. No, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. You see, people that are going to work in hospitals, nursing homes, our team that go out and visit all the hospitals, people that work in prisons, what do they have to have a big dose of? Mercy. Especially in the prison area. See, the prophet... Or the exhorter goes, yeah, that's right, serves you well. Find God here and serve him, but you're never getting out. Person with mercy goes, man, I really fear for you. And so they're back in week after week, and they're just loving the people. You need that balance. You need that wonderful balance. Now, 
Turn with me to Acts chapter 11. Here's another passage. The theory in 1 Thessalonians, you'll see how it fits in a moment. Acts chapter 11, skip on down to verse 28. Here's the theory. 1 Thessalonians 5.14, And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. Now, the person with the gift of mercy and compassion, they're going to do the encouraging. They're going to do the helping. They're going to be patient. They're going to be a little light on warning. They're going to be a little light because they don't want to see any more hurt. Well, notice Acts eleven twenty eight. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help. There it is. Their gift of mercy, compassion always has that gift help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So here we are again. We're challenged to help the weak and to help those who are timid and having difficulty and be faithful and patient with everyone. So what do we find? We find people that are going to be in a famine, so we're going to send food to them. During the tsunami, during the hurricanes, the people with the gift of mercy, where are they going to be? They're all over that stuff. They love it. I mean, they're not going to pray for a hurricane, but when it comes, they're home. Feeding the people, going to the subdivisions, cutting the trees down, serving the food here, going next door neighbor to man, they love it. Now, let me ask you, you say, well, I don't really need a gift of mercy. Any of you enjoy people with the gift of mercy during the hurricane? Any of you have trees that needed help? Well, yes, Pastor Mark, you're right. You're exactly right. We need mercy. Do we need mercy or not? We need it. We need those people. Last, turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 10. You know this passage, but we want to talk about it. Luke chapter 10. It's in response to our challenge, the theory. If your gift is showing mercy, let them do it cheerfully. It's incredible. It's exciting. Now, you know the story of the prodigal. We talked about that. This is another story that pretty much is familiar, the gift of the Samaritan. Let's begin in verse 30. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hand of robbers. And they stripped him of his clothes and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest, well, he happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, what happened? Passed on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. Now, why did both of those do that? Well, they may have been afraid they're going to get robbed. And they don't know what's going to happen. They're just, whatever, too busy with the religious deals. And they're going to go do their thing. They're not driven in the same way. They're not made the same way. Should they have stopped? Absolutely. Somebody in that kind of a situation don't have to have the gift of mercy. By the way, if you were that man, would you want anybody to stop? Yes, please. Thank you. I would have loved it. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity, or the real word, mercy on him. And he went to him and bandaged his womb, pouring on oil and wine. And he put the man on his donkey and took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hand of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, Aha, the one who had mercy on him. And notice, Jesus doesn't leave it there. What's he say? Go 
And here's the word you want to circle. Do, not feel, but do likewise. In other words, put it, put it into action. Now, when you think about that, let me give you kind of a fun thing. I think it's... uh, Interesting. If we were building a church, we'll use this maybe at the the satellite, uh, as we allow God to raise up people to go down there, how would these seven gifts work? Well, let me just review it for you just for a second. Well, the prophet, if he was in charge of this new video campus, he would ensure that biblical standards are going to be there. So this prophet's going to be what? He's concerned with what? Truth. Let's make sure it's there. Okay? The server. What's the server going to be thinking about? Well, he's going to go to Pastor Dean and say, man, i got to think about all the activities they're going to be needed. How are we going to serve all these people? So they're thinking needs. Needs are out there. What's the teacher going to be focused on? Teachers in the Sunday school and from the pulpit and all that. And the youth, they're going to be thinking, okay, these people need to be fed. They need to be fed the word. They need to be, and I'm going to have all these areas and I'm already thinking about how to do that. What's the exhorter going to think about? Well, the exhorter is going to be interested in saying, okay, it's not just teaching them. These people are going to have to grow down here as well. They're going to have to develop. They're going to have to be mature Christians. I got to take the word of God and put the application to them. So this person that's the exhorter is going to encourage these people that he knows they're going to be at that fellowship. That's what he's going to do. What's the giver going to do? Well, the giver is going to support the building, the development. When we come up and say, well, it's going to cost us $250,000, $300,000 to get all the camera projections and all the stuff and get everything set up. Man, I can help. God's already spoken to me. I'm going to give this and that and the other, and away we go. That's without the thermometer on the wall, okay? What's the leader? What is Pastor Dean doing as the leader and the leadership of this church doing? Remember, it's one church in many locations. What's the leader going to do? They're working at a plan out with all these people and these other gifts to make sure they what? They fit together, okay? And what's this compassionate person or this person with the gift of mercy, what are they going to do? They're going to make sure that when that video campus opens, that people there are going to be cared for, they're going to be nurtured, they're going to be friends, they're going to reach out, and hurting people can come in. Do you see how the gifts work together? That's why you need a body. In this room are all of those seven gifts, and they just operate together for the good of the all. Not one, but all seven have to work together. Now, all of us need to be loved and have mercy no matter what our motivational gift. Let me just remind you, you know the verse, let me read it to you. For God so loved the world that he gave. Do you know why that we're going to do that next church? And the next one, and the next one, and then plant all over the world, just as we continue to grow here. You know why we're going to do that? Because we've received mercy. Have you received mercy from God? You're saved, aren't you? Then how'd you get saved? His grace and mercy. You didn't deserve it, not a bit of it. God didn't just think about us and go, man, I really feel bad for those people. He gave. That's why I want to challenge you tonight. He gave. Mercy is not just a warm feeling. It's something we do. We have received mercy from God. Now remember, as you think about this, we're going to show you how love 
works together and puts these seven gifts in action. In his teaching today, Pastor Mark talked about the areas where the natural gift of mercy shows up. People who care for others in heartbreaking situations and the like. You also heard the warnings of trying to do this gift without God's strength and guidance. Pastor Mark reminded you that this gift is intended to work with the others to make a strong body of Christ. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This brings to an end Pastor Mark's teaching on the motivational gift of mercy. Next time, Pastor Mark will begin his wrap-up of the series, Motivational Gifts. He'll talk about the place you should be seeing these gifts manifested in the church setting and how they have their place. You'll learn about the great things that happen when these gifts are being used properly together. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting